Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Today, I want to talk about the end. The end. I know it's on everybody's mind. Come on. Somebody say the end. Say the end is near. That is our headline today. The end is is near. And so last week we talked a little bit from Mark chapter 12, where Jesus was meeting with several officials, right? Religious officials and political officials, and they were all kind of scrutinizing Jesus. And then Jesus has this encounter in the temple with the widow. You guys remember? And she gave the, the widow's mites that was less than a cent. And Jesus said she gave more than all the loaded people that came into the room. And so from that scene, Jesus is leaving the temple. And this is where we pick up in Mark chapter 13. So if you got your Bibles, open them up, turn them on. If you got your app, open that up, pull out your note sheets. We're going to move pretty fast today because we have a lot of content. So Mark chapter 13, verse 1. And as he came out of the temple, again, this encounter that he had in the temple with the widow, one of his disciples said to him, look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, to them, to him, to them and to him. And so do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Destruction. And he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple. Peter and James, John and Andrew asked him privately. Now these were the three that were normally with him, plus Andrew decides to join in on the party. Tell us, when will these things be, the destruction of the temple? And what will be the sign when these things are about to be accomplished. And Jesus began to say to them, see that no one leads you astray. Isn't it interesting that Jesus leads with don't be deceived. See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name. Many. Everybody say many. Not just one. Many will come in my name saying I am he and they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Circle that, underline that, highlight that, however it is you want to mark it. Do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. There are, these are but the beginning of birth pains but be on your guard for they will deliver you over to councils and you will be beaten in synagogues. Here's a scripture for your refrigerator. <laughs> they will be, they will deliver you over to councils and you will be beaten in synagogues and you will stand before governors and Kings for my namesake to bear witness before them. Come on. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you, do not be anxious beforehand about what you're going to say, but say whatever is, is given you in that hour, for it is not who you, who you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And brother will deliver brother over to death, and father his children, and children will rise up against their parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated 
Get this. And you will be hated by all. See, we have this misunderstanding that if we love Jesus, everyone will love us. Quite the opposite. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. Not for you, not because you were offensive, but because you're representing Jesus. You will be hated for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved, will be rescued, will be delivered. So here's Jesus. He comes out of the temple. And they're like, man, this is awesome. Jesus is teaching us. And he goes, and they're looking at this beautiful scenery that's in Jerusalem in the capital city. Now, this was one of the most, probably the, the most elaborate city in the world at the time. We're talking a temple laid with gold. We're talking when the sun comes up, the, the, the sun begins to shine on this, on this golden building and beams are coming off. They're, this is the most beautiful thing that they can imagine made by man. And they're looking at it, and they're going, wow, look, look at what all the people have done. Look, look what we've built. Look what we've built for God. Look at this temple. Look how, look how glorious it is. And Jesus says, not one stone of it will go unturned. It's all going to crumble. It's all just temporary. I know it's beautiful, but it's all coming down. And so when Jesus says this, he's speaking of a near future. In fact, a future that happens within Jesus, you might not know this, but in 70 A.D., there was an event that happened, I think we got a picture of it, called the Siege of Jerusalem. And what happened in 70 AD is there was a, an emperor named Titus. And Titus goes in. Now, this is shortly after the scriptures were, were canonized. And what happened is Rome comes in and they attack Jerusalem. So much so that there's rubble everywhere. Jerusalem became a pile of rubble because of the Romans. They destroyed it. So this is what Jesus is speaking of whenever he says that no building will go unturned. These are some actual pictures of, of uh, stone that is, that is assumed to be uh, from that era. And we have a lot of historical evidence on that. You can Google it. You can find a lot of research about 70 AD. Just type in 70 AD and you'll see the siege of Jerusalem. So when Jesus prophesies this, it's something that's about to happen. Like within the next 40 years. And it does, and it happens. And there were people that were fleeing, and, and some of the, the exhortations that Jesus gives later on in the chapter about go out to the mountains, run, and don't, don't, don't grab anything. Don't grab your stuff. Just go. Just run for your life. And this is what they do. And then another thing that Jesus speaks of is he says the gospel will go into the nations. Did you know many, many will say, you know, the, the gospel hasn't gone to the nations yet. Jesus can't return. The gospel hasn't gone. Did you know the whole known world in the book of Acts was reached. And we, we, don't, we don't realize this, but the whole known world. In fact, it says that the disciples turned the world upside down. Come on, what a testimony. There's several references. Uh, Romans chapter 10, if you question that, read Romans 10, read Romans 16, read the, the several references in Colossians about the whole world, the known world at that time will be reached. Now we do know that now on the earth, there are a lot of unreached people groups, right? And so we want to make sure that we're making with haste, come on, to, that we advance the gospel. So Jesus is speaking of a near future, and some of those things that Jesus prophesied happened very close to that, but he is also speaking of a distant future. Jesus is also speaking of the end, what we would call the end, right? And we've been, listen, we've been encountering Mark's gospel. We've been encountering Jesus. That's been the objective of this campaign. And so we're not going to go real deep. We're not going to do a six-week study in the end times and Revelation and the book of Daniel. We're not going to get into all of that. Honestly, I'm really not that equipped to do it. 
But I would encourage you to, to do some of that on your own. But I will kind of give you a broad overview today. And it is important because some people are like, you know, you have all these like ideas about eschatology. Eschatology is, I know it's a big word, but it just means the study of the end times. And so many people, these eschatology, we have all these terms. We'll talk about some of them today. And some people say, well, oh, man, I'm not just too, I'm not too worried about it. I'm just going to focus on the here and now. Listen, beloved, 150 chapters in the scriptures talk about the end times. It's pretty important. That's more chapters than are devoted to the gospels. Okay. And so Jesus in 16 chapters here in the book of Mark devotes a whole chapter to the end times. So it is important for us to have a little bit of an understanding. Now, the big main event of the end time is Jesus promises that he's going to return. Come on. And that's a good thing. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. I'm going to try not to get ahead of myself because it's exciting. Now, listen, the end right now in 2020, the end is on people's mind. Is it not? Right? We're, we're, we're seeing all this because, because America, especially, has not dealt with the kind of things that we're dealing with. Now, the rest of the world, they've suffered way worse. I know that, that you think that Jesus has got to come back soon to rescue you from your comfortable American life. Listen, get this. Get this. The world has been in a lot worse shape than America is right now. You can, you can, if you want, you can go buy your plane ticket and go to Haiti with us tomorrow morning, and you, you'll be able to see some of that firsthand. But the end is on people's mind, and I get it. The civil unrest, the economy. I look at it as a pastor. I see the unfaithfulness of people. These are all signs of the end. The coronavirus, you know, the big elephant that's not in the room, <laughs> right? So as soon as all this stuff starts happening, people start developing conspiracies. Well, so-and-so, is Donald Trump the Antichrist? Is Joe Biden the Antichrist? Is Oprah Winfrey the Antichrist? Is Joel Osteen the Antichrist? Probably not. Probably not to any of those. I had someone send me a, a Facebook message on Facebook Messenger. They always start off with this, sorry it's so late. I'm like, I'm not reading it when you send it, likely. <laughs> you don't have my phone number for a reason. So... Um, not nice. So I get this message on Facebook, and this is a person that I hadn't talked to in decades, literally. And they were like, oh, what do you think about the vaccine? And I was like, I think it's a vaccine. I don't really have a big opinion on it, but it's, it is what it is. It's the mark of the beast. The vaccine is the mark of the beast. And I said, well, there's a couple of things that I know about the mark of the beast. First of all, is that you won't take it by accident. <clears throat> and the second thing is, is you got to reject Jesus to get it. And they were like, oh, watch this. I ain't got time for that. Don't, don't send me videos. <laughs> please, please don't send me videos. I've got so many. It's like used to, they used to give pastors books to read. Hey, I want you to read this book. I want you to get this revelation I got. Now they, they're like, hey, I got a video I want you to watch. <laughs> Three hours. <laughs> it's like, if you can make that like five minutes or less, I will be glad to watch that video. If you can go in there and edit it and give me the good part. Or just give me the cliff notes and we'll be good with it. So are we in the end times? Yes. We've been in the end times for 2,000 years. 
We've been in the end times since Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and said, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit. We are on the final era. We are on the final run. Does that mean that Jesus is going to return in the next seven years? Does it mean Jesus is going to return in the next 70 years? I don't know. But I do know it's closer. I do know that, and I know this, I know that Jesus is returning. You know why? how I know that Jesus is returning? Because he said he would. And he does everything that he says he's going to do. So let me give you a broad view of the end times. Now, listen, when we start talking about eschatology, we can go around the room and every person is going to have a different opinion. So we hold this doctrine of the end time very open handed. Right. And so we're not like going to get mad at one another. Well, you don't believe it. Okay. so just so you know, I have. And in fact, if you have the overflow app. And uh, you, can, you can download a thing in there. You can look at a thing called 100 Questions About the End Times from someone who I trust, who I, who I really trust on the topic, who I believe is an expert. It would be Mike Bickle from the International House of Prayer. I, I trust him. And so I don't trust him exclusively, but, but most of what he says I hold uh, to. And then Pastor Nathan will write a blog this week a little bit about end times. So you guys make sure and get in on that. Uh, hopefully you're doing that every week. So I, I want to give you kind of a little bit of a broad view and then I'm going to break it down for you. Okay. Y'all, y'all okay. And I'm going to give you something that, that, that will really help you. Uh, so you have this group of people called preterist. Okay. And what, what they believe basically is that all the things in biblical prophecy have already passed. In fact, they look at the, the siege of Jerusalem as something, they look at that as, hey, that was the tribulation. It already happened when, when Jesus sent his Holy Spirit. That's what he's talking about. So, so there's, no, there's no return of Christ. Like we're living in this kind of ideological, uh, this figurative millennial reign. Now, can they be saved and believe that? Yes, they can be saved and, because your, your eschatology isn't what saves you. It's your trust in Jesus. Come on. And so, and then you, but it is, but it is pretty wacky. And then you have like partial preterists who believe, well, part of the things and, you know, that Jesus said, but, but really the great tribulation did happen in 70 AD. So we are, so basically we can't expect the return of Jesus uh, anytime soon. And then you have what most of us fall under, what I call futurist. And we believe that the things that are in the book of Revelation are things that are going to happen. And then you have uh, what's called millennialist, okay? And millennialists not, aren't um, like you're a millennial, like you're born. A millennialist basically believes that what's taught in the scriptures is that when Jesus returns, he is going to reign on the earth for a thousand years. Did you know that you're not just going to go to heaven when you die? It's way better than that. Did you know that Jesus, when you get a resurrected body, that you are going to rule and reign on the earth with Jesus? This is a foundational Christian truth. Most, most of us don't think about it. This is why you store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, right? What you're doing now is going to matter during those thousand years. So live your life well. Invest well in the future, right? And so you're, you're, you're depositing into your, your account, if you will. And so when Jesus returns, he's going to set up in Jerusalem on a throne, and he's going to rule on the earth for a thousand years. And at the end of that, there will be the final judgment, and, th- and Satan will be bound for those thousand years. But after those, but that, that thousand years, Satan will be cast into hell forever. And those that aren't, haven't surrendered their life to Jesus will go with him. Scary. But it will be a final judgment. And so leading up to that will be a thousand years. So really, we're going to like worship the Lord and do all this stuff when we die and be before him. Or if we go with the Lord when he returns, then we'll just start it right then. And, and some that have gone before us, I hope I'm there, man. I hope, I hope I'm there when the Lord returns. And some people are afraid of it. We'll talk about that in a minute. 
And so basically, those that believe that there's a literal thousand-year millennial reign are called millennialists. And then you have amillennialists that basically believe that, that it was just figurative and it didn't really happen and it falls under those things. But under those people that believe uh, in, in the millennial, do we have that? We have our, my, my little drawings. So I did some little drawings for you last night because y'all love my drawings so much. I think So basically, these are the events, right? The resurrection of Christ. And then you have the return of Christ. Jesus returns. And then you have the millennial reign and at the end of that, all that stuff. Now, within that camp, now this is orthodox, okay? It's orthodox to believe this. I know that some of y'all never heard of, I've never heard of a thousand years. Well, it's because you haven't read your Bible. And so, and we don't talk a lot, a lot about it. We probably should talk about it more. We should definitely talk about this more, the return of Christ. So within the camp of premillennials, which is premillennialists, which is what we are, we believe that Jesus will return before the millennial reign. And then you have post-millennial that thinks that Jesus is going to return after it, okay? But this is the orthodox view. This is what most theologians and scholars believe. But within that, you kind of have two camps of people that, the, the way they, they view the end times. And, and there's, obviously, there's like a million camps, but broadly, there are two. We got one. The first one here is what's called a, what do we have? We got our next one. That one. Okay, so basically you have, this is kind of the historic view that Christ is resurrected and then we're living in this age right here, which would be considered the church age. And then there's going to be an event right here happen called the seven-year tribulation. Now, guys, I'm not going real deep into this today. I'm just kind of giving you a broad view and and some of y'all are going to take the bait and you're going to go deep. That's awesome. You'll be teaching next time. And then you have this event where the church, those that have died in Christ and those that are still living are resurrected and we get our resurrected bodies. Some people call this the rapture, right? In scripture, it's called the resurrection. Remember? Remember last week we talked about the Sadducees. They're Sadducees because they don't believe in the resurrection. They don't believe that we get glorified bodies. So remember when Jesus was resurrected and he had a physical body and he could do things like he, had, he still had elbows and earlobes and all that kind of stuff, but, but he, and he could also eat, but, but he was also like kind of mystical. Like his body can do things that his physical, normal body. We're going to get that kind of body because we're going to need it so it'll last for eternity. It'll be physical, but but you'll need a, we call it a glorified body. So what's happened is the church will be resurrected. If they're dead, they'll be resurrected. If they're alive, they'll be transformed. And then that is happens at the same time that Jesus is returning. So Jesus is returning. Yes! And then we rapture or resurrect, meet him in the air, and then we rule on the earth for a thousand years with him. So that's that's the A view. Okay, this is called this is called post-trib. So we believe that Jesus, that that the church, the rapture happens after the seven-year tribulation. And then about 180 years ago, a guy named John Darby had a prophetic word, and he said it looks like this. Can we look at this one? So he said, basically, the return of Christ and the resurrection or the rapture of the church are two different events. And basically, he said, well, God wouldn't want us to go through the great tribulation, so he's going to rapture the church, and then the world will just be left to itself for seven years, and then Christ will return. Okay, so this is, a, this is probably the most common view in America that people believe, that Jesus doesn't want us to go through anything hard, so he's going to pull us out, and then we'll go through seven years, and then Jesus will return. I don't know who he's returning for, but... but but, uh, but he's going to return. This is not my view. You can tell because I'm being kind of sarcastic. However, I don't have a problem with people that believe that. That's okay. I want to be here. And I'm going to tell you why here in just a minute. I believe I'll be here. You might believe, no, I'm not going to be here. Get me out of here. 
And I get that. I understand. Because <laughs> it's not fun. It is not fun, but it is glorious. So I don't have a problem where you're at on that or the other view. Okay? So you can believe we're going to be here or not. There will be Christians, even if that is true, there will be Christians on the earth because many people will get saved during this time. Many people, if, if that happened, you know, back when I first came to the Lord, it was kind of like this was a scare tactic. It was kind of like, listen, you better get right with Jesus because he's going to show up. He's going to do the secret rapture thing and you're going to be left behind. And so there's a whole like book series written about it. And the, the whole story is like you, you knew the right things, but you weren't surrendered to the Lord. And so when the Lord came like a thief in the night, you didn't know. And you, here you were. You're left on the earth during the great tribulation and they become the super Christians during that time. And so, um, again, that, I know I'm being sarcastic. I don't, I don't mean to be. I do mean to be, but I don't, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Um, so this is kind of the idea that we, that we get. And those are the main views. And then there's another view that says there's a, there's a kind of a, a mid-tribulation rapture that in the middle of it, God comes in and he, and he sucks up his bride. He, he uh, resurrects his bride. Okay. Now, this is the deal. There's a whole lot through verse 14 through 23 about this era, the seven years called the seven year tribulation or the great tribulation. There's a lot in scripture about that. Okay. I, let me kind of break that down for you. And this is the key verse, verse 19 for in those days, there will be such terrible, such tribulation as that has not been from the beginning of creation that God created unto now. And that will never be. So he's saying this will be great. It'll, it's going to be painful. It's going to be the most difficult seven years in human history. Okay, and there's several events that happen in that. And this is where people start talking about Antichrist and Mark of the Beast and one world, world government and all that. Let me just break it down. First of all, there will be a character named that we, call, that we know as the Antichrist. It will not be someone that appears evil. It will be someone who appears righteous. In fact, they're going to use spiritual language like justice, come on, like peace, like love, but all of those things apart from God. And how many know you can't really have justice? You can't really have love. You can't really have peace without the one who establishes those things. And so they, and what this person will do is they'll be persuasive because everybody's going to like them. In fact, the Jews are going to buy in and believe that it's the Messiah, that it's Jesus in his first coming. Many of the church, people that are in church will be deceived and then much of the world will be deceived in believing that this figure, the Antichrist, is Christ. Now, the number one way that you know, remember Jesus says, many will come in my name saying, I'm in my name. The number one way that you know that it's, it's the Antichrist is if he says, I'm God. So if they don't say, I'm God, they're not the Antichrist. However, they can have the spirit of Antichrist. Check this out, 1 John 4, 3. Because the Antichrist spirit precedes the Antichrist, Okay. And it was there in 70 AD. It's in the world today. You know people that are functioning with the Antichrist spirit right now. Look at what it says. Every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. So anyone that says Jesus is not God, Jesus is not the way, Jesus is not the truth, Jesus is not the life, Jesus is not good, Anyone that makes those accusations about Jesus are functioning under an antichrist spirit. It doesn't make them the antichrist, but it's the same spirit that will possess this single figure. 
And this is what he says, which you have heard and is coming and it now and, and even now is already in the world. And so this figure, what he'll do is he'll, he'll, he'll either be appointed in some way as, as the ruler of the world. So the, you know, you hear about one world government, currency is all, all these things kind of work together. One currency, one government, everybody comes together. And then this figure, the Antichrist will come up, claim he's God. He'll actually perform signs, miracles, and wonders. But listen, it won't be his power that disqualifies him. It'll be his message. Ooh. So don't just believe something because it looks spiritual or even sounds spiritual. If it doesn't point to Jesus, it's an antichrist spirit. So just reject all of it. Okay? Y'all okay? And so in he'll institute this system called the mark of the beast, which will basically say you can't buy, you can't sell, you can't trade unless you take this mark. And people have said, oh, it's social security numbers and it's barcodes and it's vaccines and it's listen again you'll the, the way that you have to get it is you have to re- reject that Jesus is the Christ and you'll have to say the antichrist is so it's not going to be like oops i accidentally took the mark of the beast right cuz people are afraid this is what the thing i said this person was like oh the mark of the beast i'm like what you're not going to take it by accident it's a vaccine haha <laughs> just kidding it's the mark of the beast right so it doesn't work like that now, if they come to you with the vaccine and they say, reject Jesus, probably not. So you don't want to reject Jesus ever any time. Okay? So, this one world system. And during this seven years, listen, it's going to get difficult. And part of his power will be because it's difficult and he's going to have solutions. But there's going to be wars, famine, epidemics. In fact, a third of the world... At least a third of the world will die from these causes. Probably more like half of the world. If you start reading through uh, Revelation, you'll see that a, a third of the world died here and a third of the world died here. So I actually believe it'll be more than half the planet will die either because of war or disease or famine or an epidemic or something. So people are going to be dying, not like, you know, 1% from a virus. No, it'll be like a huge population. Like probably up to half are, are going to die during the seven years. But Jesus talks about this, that there'll be, that for the righteous, it, it'll be shortened. And he says this right here in Mark 13. He said it'll be shortened. Why? Because God will provide for his kids. Much like the children of Israel, when they were in the desert, God will provide for his people. Well, what am I going to do? What am I going to eat? Well, the Antichrist isn't my provider. The mark isn't my provider. And you're learning those things now. Okay? And there'll be natural disasters like we've never seen. In fact, there, did you know that there are more natural disasters right now than there have ever been in human history? I, read, I heard something the other day that like every year there's hundreds and hundreds of earthquakes that you don't ever hear about. What is it? That's the groaning. Of, it's global warming. No, it's the groaning of the earth. If it's caused by global warming, whatever, so be it. I don't get caught up in that. So all this is going to happen, and then what's going to happen to the church is the church is going to start functioning with a power she's never known. We're going to see, we're going to see millions. I'm, I might even say a billion saved during this time, even after people. We're going to function with signs, miracles, and wonders that are for real. People getting healed left and right. Why? Because people are finally sold out to their faith. So the great, with the great weeding, 
Come on, because that's what's going to be. It's going to be a weeding. All those pretenders. Come on, all those people that are that are just go to church on Sunday and that's the end of their spiritual walk. They're just they're not going to make it. Listen, don't think, oh, I'm going to rise up at that hour. Listen, if you can't rise up now, come on, don't think don't think when it's difficult you're going to rise up. So, so what's going to happen is is martyrdom, and there have been more people more people martyred in the past hundred years than there have been the last two thousand. By the way, martyrdom is going to be random on the earth, rampant on the earth. People will be killed because they believe in Jesus. Take the mark or die. I'll die. I'll take Jesus before I'll take the mark. Well, you're gonna you'll die. Or just breaking into churches and and just killing people. So it is going to be very, very dark, but it will be the most glorious hour for the church. And so at the peak of it, Jesus, the glorious one with fire in his eyes, with a sword in his hand, who's burning like burnished bronze, will be on his horse in heaven, watching, waiting. He don't even know when the moment is. And he's going to be in heaven with fire in his eyes, looking at his church that's enduring, that's burning, that's passionate for him, that's functioning in signs, miracles, wonders. He's going to look at them, and he's going to be looking at the Father, and he's going to wait for the Father to say, now. And when the Father gives a command, Jesus is coming. Jesus is returning on a horse. He's coming on the earth to rescue his bride because he sees the blood of the martyrs. He's going to say, I've had enough. I've had enough. It's time for me to reconcile with my bride. So what does that have to do with me now? Listen, I want to talk for just a few minutes. I'm going to finish up our time today on enduring tribulation in this age or in the age to come. Tribulation in this age and the age to come. Am I saying that right? Enduring I think my notes might have got messed up. Enduring tribulation in this age and in the age to come. How many know that you can't control trouble? Exhortations in this age and the age to come. You can't control trouble. You can't. Trouble's going to come. Now, now, you can create trouble. <laughs> come on. I've known, a lot of, I've known a lot of people. Come on. That have created some trouble for themselves. But there are some things that you can do to find comfort and to maintain godliness when it happens. Okay? The first thing is this, is be watchful. Be watchful. Everybody say watchful. Watchful. Like sometimes like when you're in church and you're watching your watch. Right? Be watchful. Now this is, this is the, the theme throughout Mark chapter 13. Jesus is talking about being awake. He's talking about being alert. He's talking about being Watchful, being ready. Mark 13, verse 28. Check this out. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know, take that, that it is near at the very gates. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Tracking? Be on guard. Keep awake. Be watchful. For you do not know when the time will come. It's like a man who's going on a journey, and he leaves his home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore... Stay awake, for you do not know 
when the master of the house will come in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. In other words, if he's going to show up and he's paid you to do, a, to do a job, why aren't you doing your job? Don't be sleeping. Some of y'all sleeping. If you're, you're saying, Lord, I want you to return. I want you to return. And if he showed up today, you'd be sleeping. Don't let him find you sleeping. And what I say to you all is stay awake. Listen, you know how it is when you get drowsy? This is why it's so important for you to have a fervency in your faith. Because when you're fired up about something, you don't go to sleep. When you're excited, come on. You remember when you were six years old on Christmas Eve? You couldn't sleep. Why? Because you had an anticipation. You were excited that something was about to happen. Now, now get this. The theme here of being watchful is not ignorance. It's not like, I'll just cast it. You're not going to know, so don't, don't spend any time. No, no, no. In fact, diligence is the important thing here. See, we're not predictors of the time of the second coming. However, we are called to know the seasons. We are called to know the seasons. So you don't, you don't know the day or the hour, but you will know the season if you're tuned in, if you're staying awake. Does that make sense? Let me help you. So uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 4 says this, you are not in the dark, and he's specifically talking about the return of Christ. You are not in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters, and you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. And so what we've done is we've made this theology that says the Lord's going to come like a thief in the night. We never know. He's going to be sneaky on us. No, no, no. This is right here. That the beloved ones, for some it will be like a thief, but not for us. We're going to have an awareness. We're going to know the season. We know it soon. I, I had a, a, the church that I got saved in, man, that was preached real heavy. You know, you, you better not, you better not be sinning when the Lord returns, you know, or he's not going to take you. And so he's going he's gonna, to, you're going to, you're not going to, you're going to miss the rapture. That was, it was really a thing. We would say this all the time. You're going to miss the rapture. You better be right with God. You're going to miss, and it was a, kind of became a fear tactic of evangelism. You don't want to miss, you don't want to miss the rapture. Oh, no, I sure don't. So my, my friend Robbie and I, we were so wired. We, we heard this message like every week. And so Robbie said that, he, that our youth pastor's name was Gail. He's, he's the guy that built this pulpit here, by the way. And he said, uh, he said, if I ever hear a loud thunder in the middle of the night, and I get scared, he's like, this is back when we had phones. He said, I would call Gail on the phone as soon as he answered, I'd hang up. Just to know, because I know he's not going to miss the rapture. <laughs> so he would know that he didn't miss the rapture. So what is this saying? This is saying, stay ready. Come on, stay ready, stay awake, be watchful, be ready, like, like bridesmaids with oil in their lamp. We talked about this earlier this year, that we are ready, that we, are, we have oil, the oil of intimacy in our lamp. We are saying, Lord, the spirit of the bride say come. We're saying, come, Lord. We're ready, we're waiting for you. We're anticipating you to come. Now listen, there's a difference between being awake and being alarmed. And we have a lot of alarmists. Oh, oh, the end of the world. It's because you're ignorant. Oh, the virus. Whatever. Just fear-driven alarmedness. There's a difference between being awake and being alarmed. And some people think, well, I'm alarmed. I'm going to sound the alarm. I'm going to sound the I'm going to tell everybody. And then their conspiracies fall through. Oh, don't be an alarmist. Because what's going to happen is when, you, when you're truly aware of something and you say it, people aren't going to listen to you because you've ruined your credibility because you followed every little news article you read. So stay awake, and you won't be alarmed. You're going to be like, oh, yeah, of course. Oh, that guy's saying he's God. Listen, he's instituting this 
system. Do you have to read? Yeah, of course. Are you ready? Are you ready for that? Stay awake. Now, informed is not the same as being alarmed, right? You need to be informed. You need to be informed. In fact, to be awake, you need to be informed. But you need to be informed, listen, in the important things like intimacy with Jesus. You need to be close to him. Lord, when is your coming? You, you need to have this longing in your heart to be reunited with the Lord. And we have this idea that we're just kind of waiting to be reunited. Listen, you can be re- reunited now in intimacy with the Lord without him physically being present. And then when he shows up, we're just going to be like, you're here. It's like we've been writing letters this whole time. We've been sending text messages this whole time. But finally, I need to get to meet my bridegroom face to face. There he is. Come on. It's like you've been online dating with the Lord. Come on. It is. It's like we're, we're in an online relationship with the Lord. But one day it'll be face to face. Come on. So don't be in the dark. Stay. Be watchful. Number two is stay faithful. Now this is through any, listen, any difficulty in your life. Any difficulty. You say, man, why does it seem like I can't get a job? Why does it seem like that all hell is breaking loose in my life? Why is all my family saying, what is going on here? You need to be watchful enough that you can look at things and go, hmm, what is God saying? What is God doing? You need to be watchful. That's why it's important for you to be in the Word. That's why it's important for you to be in prayer. So you'll have a little bit of an understanding of what's going on. This is what's happening. And it's not, and we do that for other people. Well, let me tell you, it's because you've got sin in your life. Maybe. Because we like to be watchful for other people. But are you being watchful for you? Be watchful for you. And number two is stay faithful. Be watchful. Stay faithful. Stay faithful, beloved. This is what he says. You will be hated for my name's sake, but the one who endures till the end will be saved, will be rescued. He that endures, he that lasts. See, for many, their, their eschatology is not based on faith. It's based on fear, Right? It's rooted in panic and fear, not expectancy and intimacy. Listen, if your eschatology, let me help you. If your eschatology, your understanding of the end times, your belief of the end times is rooted in panic and fear and not expectancy or intimacy, then you're amiss. Your end time view should provoke expectancy, yes, Lord, and intimacy. I want to be close. We stay close through the highs and lows, in season and out of season. We're clinging. We're clinging to the one we love. We're clinging even now. Come on. We're clinging even now. We're diligent. We're steadfast. We're stable. Let me help you. Your little catered emotional life is not going to sustain you. This whole like cater to me and just being self-centered and just kind of you think you think the self-care message is is gonna is gonna sustain you through the dark, darkest time in human history, beloved. You've got to get your eyes off yourself. Listen, whether it be in the most difficult time that you've ever faced in your life or in the world, get your eyes off yourself. Love your neighbor. Love the Lord. Get passionate about Jesus. He, let Him do the sustaining. The problem with, with self-sustainment is that it always fails. If love can't motivate you now, then fear sure won't motivate you then. If God's love can't motivate you now, then fear won't sustain you then. 
And this is what we have. You have people, uh, you know, I'm not really living the way. This is what our thought. I'm not living the way, it, but if the rapture happens, I know I can serve God. <laughs> you can't even serve God when it's easy. You can't even, listen, if you can't serve God in America, come on, read your Bible. Beloved, I love you. Come on, you've got to develop some stability. I don't say these things that I'd be harsh or critical of you. I'm just saying I want you to endure. I want to see faithfulness in your life. Why? Because be, not because God is sitting there going, let's see how faithful they are. It's like, are you going to endure? Some of you can't even, you can't even endure a, a negative comment on Facebook without it ruining your world. I'm not trying to be insensitive. I get that. I struggle with those things too. But listen, we're going to have to develop some resilience if we're going to endure the, the greatest tragedies that the world has ever seen. If we're going to, listen, if we're going to carry revival... Come on, if we're going to see the greatest revival that the world has ever seen, and you think it's going to be from a, a, bunch of, a bunch of shallow people that, that walked down on an altar and prayed a prayer when they were six years old and they were just raised in church and that's, that's the only thing that they have in their life for God? But that, that just intangible history? Come on, develop some history with the Lord right now. Come on. Prepare yourself, whether it be for this tribulation or the tribulations you're going to, because it's going to come. You, and, and I will say this to you. You have not gone through your hardest season yet. You haven't. And I'm not making little of your season. I've been through some crud, but I know that something worse probably will happen in my life. And I'm not looking forward to it, but I'm telling you what I'm doing right now as I'm developing some diligence and I'm developing some resistance to fear in my life right now. So when it comes, I'm able to withstand. So when, I'm, when the Lord returns, he will look at me and he says, you've been faithful. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Are you developing faithfulness? Are you biblical? Are you moral? Are you prayerful? Are you resourceful? Is it prophetic or pathetic? <laughs> Because there's a lot of it that is pathetic. You know, oh, I'm a prophetic teacher on the book of Revelation, and it's all fear-driven? That's pathetic, not prophetic. Any eschatology that is rooted in fear is pathetic, not prophetic. Romans 14, 23, it says, whatever does not produce from faith is sin. It is sin. See, God will not stop me. If, if we go through this seven years, which I believe we will, God will not stop being God, and you will not stop being loved. And you get, you'll have to remember that you are, you are not objects of God's wrath. You are objects of his love, mercy, and grace. And so our declaration as the church, as the body of Christ on the earth, needs, needs to say this right now. God, I want to be found faithful in this hour and in the hour to come. Would this become the obsession of your life? God, I want to be found faithful now and in the age to come. In this hour and in that hour. In my marriage, when it's easy, when it's difficulty. I want to be found faithful, yes, to my spouse, but mostly to Jesus. Because I'm faithful to Jesus, I'll be faithful to my spouse. It's so crazy to me how many people will do sinful things in the name of God. Like, you're not being faithful to God, you're being faithful to you. Well, that's the way God made me. No, that's the way that sin corrupted you. Number three is this, live hopeful, live hopeful, live hopeful. Mark 13, 24, in those days after the tribulation, here we go, see that? After the tribulation, 
the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heaven will be shaken. And then, and then, they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect. Come on, the resurrection from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. What's happening? Jesus is coming. He is coming. Jesus is coming to gather his church. He's coming to gather his bride. You're like, what are you doing? My notes didn't sink. He will gather his bride. There we go. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. The Lord himself, Jesus, the Lord will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who, are, who have died will rise from their graves. Then with them, those who are still alive will remain on the earth and will be caught up in the heavens to meet the Lord in the air. And we will be with the Lord forever. Listen, he's going to look and he's going to say, let's get him. Let's meet him. I'm ready. I believe the Lord is in. Do you anticipate the return of the Lord? Or do you fear it? Verse 31, Jesus makes this statement. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not. My words will not. So we got to do this. We got to be watchful. Number two, we've got to stay faithful. And number three, we've got to live hopeful. Live hopeful. Listen, for us, beloved, for us, for those of us that belong to the Lord, the end isn't bad news. It's really good, good news. Jesus returning is good news. It's good news. I've got good news for you today. You can stay hopeful because Jesus is coming. He's coming for a bride without spot nor wrinkle. He is coming for a bride who has made herself ready. Will you make yourself ready? As a, as a bride prepares for her bridegroom on her wedding day, are you preparing your life to meet Jesus His words will not pass away. What he said will happen. And some of it they saw in, in their life. And some of it we are seeing now. And so his words, his words to return is a promise. But there's some other things that will help you right now. Some of the words that will not pass away. Number one, that he promised to always be with us. Lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age, even when it gets dark, even when it gets gloomy, even whenever you woke up this morning and you thought, I can't even go on another day. He said, I will be with you. If you just reach out, if you just call unto me, I'm right there. He's promised to comfort us. Come to me. All you are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. He's going to give you rest. I know you're tired. I know you're broken. I know you're wore out, man. I know that you've got 2020 fatigue. We all got it. And Jesus said this, come to me. You who are weary, you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will be your comfort. And then he promises, this great promise we've been talking about, to resurrect us. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. You get Jesus, you get resurrection. 
you get resurrection. We're going to clothe that. If, if we're gone when the Lord returns, the, the Holy Spirit's going to, going to come into our bones or our, or our dust or whatever it is. And he's going to give us a brand new body. Come on, I'm ready for the exchange already. Come on, I'm anticipating. And we are going to get that new body and we're going to rule and reign and worship Jesus for eternity, beloved. It is the great hour. It's the good news. Live hopeful. Live hopeful. 